babies, what is up? I miss you as always. Wow, 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 wow. Some real fucked up shit has been going on. As you may have seen, I was pretty upset about the Roe vs. Wade being overturned and I just wanted to say a few things about it so y'all know where I stand. First of all, I stay respectful of all religions and beliefs as long as they are not bringing harm to anyone. Like, believe what you want. That's your thing. I respect it without question. I do not care what you do. Women's health care should not be a religious factor, so I'm sorry if you view my stance as an attack on religion, but the two are not the same, okay? I'm speaking from a health and wellness and medical rights standpoint because it's fucked up. This should have never happened. I have personal beef with the healthcare system, and I always have, but now the government is controlling my rights to potentially life-saving procedures. I don't want kids. I never have wanted kids. I'm pretty sure I have a phobia of being pregnant. If in 10 years I want to expand my family and I am in a position to be able to do so, I will adopt. So let me just say, if you are scared, worried, and upset, you are not alone. If you have ever had an abortion or ever need one, you are not alone. If you are in a state that has banned it, please be very, very careful about who you speak to about it and try your best to get help outside of the state. There are many people that are willing to help you and even pay for travel, hotel, any accommodation. I am bordering a state that has banned it. Mine has not, thankfully. And even where I live, there is a wait list for people who have offered their homes and traveling and expenses to help people get to the clinic and back. Me and my roommates have signed up for it. Um, we would drive to wherever you are, take you to all of your appointments. Would You would stay with us or you would be placed in a hotel provided by the organization until you recovered and we would be able to transport you back. But there are wait lists, which is a, an amazing thing, a beautiful thing. So I don't know if I'll ever get the chance to do that. And I hope I never do because I hope that this shit is cleaned up pretty quick. So many women and people have offered their time and resources to help. So please, please know that you are not helpless if you are in a situation that you need any kind of procedure regarding that. You are not alone. Okay, you have the resources. There are so many people that will help you and believe in you. You are not a bad person. Okay. I very well understand how it feels to be very helpless. Do not be afraid to reach out. I'm so afraid of young girls who will end up taking their own lives because they feel so helpless and so ashamed and unable to find help. I've struggled with suicidal ideation and I know for a fact when I have felt backed into a corner 
like some of these women will be, quite literally, it really does feel like the only way out. And I will repeat it as many times as I need to. It is not the only way out. There are hundreds of thousands of women enthusiastically willing to help. We have the power of social media now to bring us all together. And we really need to use it. I just wanted to say that anybody who is feeling very stressed about the situation, it's very rightfully so. That is very valid. But this is also a time where we do need to stick together and we need to help our fellow people because we are people regardless of our views or religion and we need to have access to potential life-saving procedures. And that is my stand on that. Now we are going to get into a long overdue episode about binge eating and how to overcome it on your fitness journey. So for those of you who don't know, binge eating disorder isn't just the occasional binge or overeating. It is a constant feeling of being out of control around food and eating past the point of fullness very frequently. It is normal to have a binge every once in a while. If, for example, maybe you skipped lunch accidentally or were in a setting where you weren't able to eat for an extended period of time and you get home and then feel like you have to eat everything in sight and can't really seem to stop, those times in life are going to happen. That's something that we can't control. We don't we won't always have control over exactly when we eat and exactly how much we eat and when we eat it. That's fine. But one thing I know is that your body will always find a way to get food, which is why this sort of thing happens. We don't fuck with our bodies when they want food, okay? You better believe your body will find a way to eat. And it will end up being in a pretty undesirable way if it's something caused from you constantly restricting or constantly placing your body in a deficit that is unable to maintain. With a more severe binge eating disorder, which means it's more of a constant cycle of binging every day, even every meal, feeling too full, feeling ashamed, and then not eating because you feel sick or feel like you have to make up for it and then you end up binging again the next time you eat. There is a spectrum. Sometimes it can be life-threatening and sometimes it can just be a really hard loop to break. With any eating disorder, there's a number of reasons why you may have acquired it, including childhood habits, trauma, mental trauma, physical, sexual trauma, constant dieting, illness, tons of things. There's so many reasons. It all starts somewhere. And if you are at a point where it is severely affecting your everyday and overall health, I highly urge you to find a therapist that specializes in it. Not a nutritionist, not a trainer, even though I'm fucking amazing. You also need therapy depending on the severity. Okay. Today I'm sticking to my focus on the type of binge eating that is actually learned through fitness, dieting culture, social constructs, and learned habits. I am not a doctor. We know this. But I know a lot about this because 85% of my clients struggle with this or have struggled with it in the past, which is why they come to me to learn better habits and work through their shit 
so they can have a better fitness journey. You are not alone. I personally have also dealt with binge eating as a result of orthorexia for years, and it was not a good time. If you're dealing with this in any form, you know that it fucking sucks, and it is a really, really hard loop to get out of. But I'm here for you, bestie. I got you. Let's get to it. The first thing I want you to think about is when. When did this all start for you? I'm not talking about the full-blown binge cycle because I truly believe that there is a progression that starts very early in childhood. Maybe not all the time, but most of the time. The question is, when did the first few signs pop up in your life that may have indicated a similar behavior? I'll go first. Cereal. As a kid, I was fucking obsessed with cereal. Me and my ADHD brain loved the whole concept of cereal. It was the best. It was socially acceptable as a meal that you got from a box that required no effort for the most delicious taste and sensational feeling in my body of a sugar high that I could ever hope for. (laughs) If it sounds like I'm an addict, good. Binging is extremely similar to addiction. I was addicted to cereal. (laughs) It sounds so incredibly silly, but I was so obsessed with it all throughout my life. At one point, I was eating an entire box of cereal and drinking an entire gallon of milk a day. Yes. (laughs) I know what your question is. Liz, there's no way your parents let you do that. They didn't know. Guys, they didn't, they had no idea. By the time I was old enough to watch myself at home after school, I started making the weirdest food choices in the weirdest possible ways. I don't even know if I want to tell you (laughs) the severity of weirdness of shit that I would eat after school and middle school. Like, it's... (sighs) I'm going to I'm going to hate myself for telling you this, but I'm going to tell you, though, because I, I think I like embarrassing myself on the Internet for some reason. If it wasn't an obscene amount of cereal, it was. <laughs> oh, my God. I would eat two Eggo waffles with chocolate chips that I put in every other square. Toasted so it got all melty, of course, with maple syrup. And whipped cream. Mind you, this is three in the afternoon, right after school. Then I would have two pieces of bread with chocolate chips that I stuck inside of the bread and heated up in the microwave for 16 seconds. It had to be exactly 16 seconds. (laughs) It gets worse. It gets worse. Oh, my God. Then... (laughs) I would take a cup of water, heat it up in the microwave for a minute and 30 seconds, and I would put spaghetti, hard uncooked spaghetti, in that water until it was a quarter of the way cooked. So spaghetti, picture spaghetti, still hard as shit, but the outsides of it got a little soft. The heat would, and I would just eat this, these sticks of semi-cooked 
spaghetti. Just like that. <laughs> what the fuck? I bet some of you are going to unfollow me just for that right now. I don't even blame you. I don't even blame you. But let me spare myself. This was over 15 years ago. And I am just using this as an example to help you recognize some interesting food patterns that maybe you had in the past. And it may help you <laughs> recognize the early signs of disordered eating habits. So whatever the hell I was doing, I can think back and say, yeah, no shit you got an eating disorder. You were literally closet eating very strange things as a child. So typically with that kind of behavior, it can be linked to maybe your parents being strict around what you ate or what you can and cannot eat, which makes things like the Eggo waffles with chocolate and syrup a very high ticket item for you. So high ticket item in this situation means something that is very desirable. And we're usually talking about food in this scenario. Now, I can't exactly remember if that was the case, but I was allowed to drink soda and have ice cream. And although my family ate generally really healthy, like all the time, we like we had decent eating habits. I can't really recall that my parents really dictated a certain way of my eating. A lot of I feel like a lot of this was self-inflicted for some strange reason. I don't know why. My dad would definitely binge eat a little, but he was also very physical at work all day. So anytime he sat down to eat, he would just be eating tons of food and he never gained weight, which doesn't make it okay. But I think he just was really hungry. I think he, he probably actually needed that. But <laughs> what I do know is that I always struggled with body image as early as I can remember. If you have been listening to my podcast for a while, the time that I started making those odd food choices were when I started taking medication for my ADD, um, ADHD, which made me not hungry during the day. So typically ADHD medication curbs your appetite quite a bit. I learned very early on in my life that the skinnier I was, the more attention I would get from my peers and boys and anybody. Also, that time was the reign of Victoria's Secret, and that didn't, definitely didn't help. It definitely didn't help. I would refrain from eating all day because in my head, no food equaled skinny. And as someone with ADHD, we are really susceptible to eating disorders anyways. So for me personally, I think it was just the perfect storm. At the time, I had no idea what I was doing. I clearly had no fucking clue about calories and protein and what makes a good diet. Anything my mom made and gave me was perfect. Always high protein, veggies, carbs, super balanced. Like, go Pauline. She was such a solid mom. But I just did not think like that at the time. Sure, health class. But what did we learn the majority of our diet should be? Oh, you remember the food pyramid. You remember the majority of our diet should be bread, pasta, carbs, cereal, <laughs> which is literally insane. Carbs are very important. However, I hate the concept of the food pyramid. 
or at least the one that I grew up with. It actually triggers me. Anyways, my eating disorder red flags happened when I was pretty young, and it's mainly because I was uneducated about food and would never in a million years imagine that I would know what I would know now. It blows my mind. Everything I'm telling you today is just was did not exist in my head at all. You may be able to recognize that your parent had bad eating habits or would encourage emotional eating or eating as a reward. Or maybe you had a parent with an eating disorder or someone who was trying to diet all the time or lose weight and it just became a normal practice in your home. One question I ask all of my clients before I start training them is, how did you eat growing up? Did you have to finish your food on your plate before you were allowed to leave? Could you not afford food? Did you have to eat the same things all the time because of that situation? There's so many factors that go into how we learn how to eat. So it's really important for you to think back to every step of your life and how you thought about food and interacted with food during those moments. So think about it. What were your red flags? When did it really start to manifest? Secondly, think about why and what you were doing when it really turned into a cycle. Were you trying to diet to lose weight? Were you trying to control your food in some way to change your body or your mood? Were you eating to cope with the stress of your day or something emotional that had happened to you? Were you stressed out in school or at your job or went through a traumatic breakup or had a loss in your family? Ask yourself those questions. When did it start and was there anything that happened around that time that would fuel that fire? And how did that bleed into your fitness journey? Maybe your fitness journey was the cause of it, especially with the type of binge restrict cycle that I'm focusing on right now because besties, if you were predisposed to having disordered eating habits and then you went on a diet that wasn't sustainable, you had no chance in hell. You had no chance in hell. The binge and restrict cycle is very important to understand for everybody who is on a fitness journey, whether you deal with it or not, because food is a big factor in getting to any fitness goal and the addictive tendencies behind binging and restricting are very hard to get out of because you have to eat in order to live. Quitting cigarettes or vaping, yes, hard, very hard, but you don't have to smoke cigarettes to stay alive. You do have to eat to stay alive. So it's not something you can just give away and say, yeah, fuck food, I'm getting clean now. You have to put a lot of work into your relationship with food and how it makes you feel. So it's kind of a complicated process, which many people fail to realize. Anytime I even make a post about (laughs) fixing your relationship with food, it gets significantly less views and likes on my social media not saying that that really matters to me but it's just a funny fact that people don't even understand what that is when it's actually the most important part of your fitness journey 
they're gonna see that and be like, like what is who fucking cares i what i don't my relationship with food who cares i tell me how to be hot and skinny bitch this is why i followed you now i know you guys are a different breed my besties that listen to the podcast are a group of highly intelligent emotionally aware empathetic understanding group and i love that for us i love you guys so much but the relationship with food and your body dictates everything that happens on your fitness journey. It is the most important part because if you are unable to go about your day, eat normally and live normally. And by normally, I mean not even thinking about it much. Normal people, like we don't think about food all the time. Isn't that insane? And are able to stay balanced habitually. If you are not able to do that, you are going to struggle, which is why we are here to get out of it. There is hope for us here, all right? The amount of clarity in your life that comes from just eating intuitively and knowing what feels good and what doesn't is insane. Your whole life changes. You're going to be bored with the amount of free mental space you have in your head, and you're going to be able to get to your goals and stay there with almost with ease. I don't like saying that because nothing about fitness or this process is easy. But once you really do get into that routine and you have worked through all of your shit and it might be a really long process, but once you're able to get there, it almost comes easy because you're so well versed in it. You've practiced so much. You know when you see those fitness influencers and trainers, which I guess is me now, <laughs> I get, so me, maybe, but they're able to just make a few changes and give it time and change their entire body. And it's like, what the fuck? How do you do that? Because I struggle every fucking day with overeating and trying to count calories and work out enough and do this program and that program babes it's because it's real when you have that relationship that kind of stress-free relationship with food and your body things happen much easier people exist having a good relationship with food they aren't stressed it's me now too. I don't even consider it's me because I've struggled with this shit for so long. Like I'm still, I still don't even realize that I'm there. They aren't stressed. I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed about food. I used to be. <laughs> I don't even identify as being, I'm one of you. I'm not one of them. <laughs> I used to be so stressed every single day about my body and what I was eating, how I was working out. I'm going to tell you now Food is not something I even think about. I meal prep so that I have it ready to go so that I can forget about it until it's time to eat it. When I go out to dinner, I order what I want. I eat till I'm full, bring the rest home without batting an eyelash. Now, I'm not saying this to rub it in your face. I'm saying this to let you know that it is so possible and this will be you. You will overcome this. If I can do it, you can absolutely do it. You are not going to die in this loop. You are not going to be doing this for the rest of your life. And I've said this before. My favorite moment 
when I am talking to my clients is when they have their first day of not thinking about food at all. No overeating, no undereating, no guilt, no shame, no emotions towards it at all. They just enjoyed their food, ate what they prepared, went to bed. It sounds so simple and so silly, but when you are in a binge or strict cycle, that level of care, free, positive thinking about food and your body is fucking heaven. So let's talk. How the hell do we get out of it? I'm going to give you step by step. First thing you're going to do after you've thought about what got you here in the first place is you're going to quit your addiction. And I don't mean quitting food. I mean, you're going to quit calorie counting. You're going to quit tracking your workouts and how many calories you burn during them. You're going to quit tracking steps. You're going to quit body checking. You're going to quit weighing yourself or measuring yourself or progress pictures. You're allowed to do those once a month. Okay, no more than that. You're going to quit your diet if you're on one. If you're doing intermittent fasting or keto, Weight Watchers, Noom, whatever, quit. It's over. The diet's over. You're going to quit anything that is keeping you hyper aware of your food and your body. I know that is much easier said than done, but practice. Everything takes practice. Everything takes time. If you catch yourself body checking, stop yourself. Remind yourself. If you catch yourself trying to track, just remind yourself. We're not doing this anymore. This is not going to get me what I want. Because if it did, it would have worked by now. Everything you're doing in your fitness journey, this back and forth with food, this back and forth with fitness, this hating your body one day, loving it the next day, this all of this shit, it's not working. If it worked, everybody would be fit right now. Everybody. We all do the same thing. We all start the same way. <laughs> we, we've all done that. It doesn't work. Second step. You're going to co-sign an agreement with me right now that whatever happens to your body during this process is okay. And that you will think and feel neutrally about it. Not positively, not negatively, neutrally. You might gain weight. You might gain fat. You might lose weight. You might stay the same. You might get pretty uncomfortable. No matter what happens, it's neither good nor bad because it's not the goal. I mentioned this in another episode. Neutral body image and feelings towards our bodies is the way to go. We don't have to love them. That's highly unattainable to sustain. Highly. But we can't hate them either. For anything that happens, we can't get frustrated with our bodies for anything that happens during this process because the end goal is not your fitness goal right now. Forget that goal. Your primary goal is to repair your relationship with food and start eating intuitively. And just as a side note, I, I've said this in many episodes before, when I say eating intuitively, I mean eating intuitively 
I'm not part of the intuitive eating cult. That is not my thing. I don't follow their rules. Okay. So eating intuitively means just eating normally. I explain this to many of my clients. Weight gain is neither good nor bad. Weight loss is neither good nor bad. You can get cancer and lose 20 pounds during chemo. Is that good? You really think that's a good thing? No, it's not. I would much rather be 20 pounds heavier and not have cancer. Fuck that shit. No offense if anybody has, but even if you do have cancer, you're like, yeah, absolutely. Fuck that shit. I've had clients with pancreatic cancers that would lose upwards of 15 pounds in a matter of days. It was so frustrating. It was so hard on them and their bodies, losing tons of nutrients, muscle, water, weight, fat, everything, feeling so weak. And it was incredibly scary. You don't step on the scale at that point and think, oh, well, at least I'm skinny. Skinny queen. (laughs) No. Same thing with gaining weight. Maybe you're gaining weight because you just went on the best vacation of a lifetime and ate and drank so much good food and wine for a month straight. Or you're gaining weight because you've been going hard in the gym and are able to put on a few pounds of muscle. Those are both beautiful things. Does that mean that that weight is bad? No, it doesn't. This rule also applies to food. There are no good or bad foods, which means cookies aren't bad. Lettuce isn't good. They are the same. Neutral. Same Z's, twinsies. I know that sounds crazy, right? Well, too bad. You're already crazy, you beautiful little angel. <laughs> so we got to think a little crazy to help us reset our brains. <laughs> I love you so much. Please don't hate me. Have you ever overeaten on your birthday or on a holiday? Yes, right. Me too. Who hasn't? Why? I'm going to use Christmas as an example because that's a holiday that um, relates to me. I'm not religious. My my family just does it every year. I, I don't know why. But why do you overeat during Christmas or your holiday? Is it because you're never going to eat a Christmas ham again or whatever you your family makes for dinner? Are you never going to have a casserole again? Are you never going to be able to have cookies and milk again? Are you never going to be able to eat Santa's chocolates again? As far as I'm concerned, I can make myself a Christmas dinner every day, every week. I can meal prep it if I want to. We got protein, we got veggies, we got carbs, fats, boom. That's a balanced meal right there. So why on woman's green earth are we overeating it like it's the only time of year that we get to have it? Because we're told that it's the only time of year that we get to enjoy food. The rest of the year, it's lose 20 pounds in a week. Have you have you seen have you seen how fat you've been lately? Look at this magazine. Buy this magazine. Don't let's get unfat. Let's let's lose weight. Let's let's do this the rest of the year. And then Christmas, it's learn how to make this pie. Enjoy this pie. Spend time with your family. It's fucked. You can eat cookies and milk every day. You can go to the grocery store right now and buy yourself a box of chocolates and eat some right now. You can do that every day. The food is not the reason we overeat. It's the scarcity mindset we have about it. 
We overeat it because we think it is the only time of year that it is okay to eat all of this food. This bad food. And the food's not even bad. Oh, mashed potatoes? There's butter in there. Big fucking deal. I can eat mashed potatoes with butter every single day of the year and get to any fitness goal I want. You can too. You can eat milk and cookies every single day and still get to your fitness goal. Eliminate the idea that there are good and bad foods and that you are not allowed to enjoy any food at any time. That's creating a forbidden fruit effect, which means the more you tell yourself you can't have it, the more you're going to want it and the more you're going to binge it when you have it. Because your brain is telling you it's the only chance you're going to get. This high ticket item, this thing that you want so bad, this is the only time you're going to get it. And you need to eat it all right now because you're never going to get it again. You better enjoy it now, bitch. You better eat it up. And believe me, the same thing happens with all food in general. If you are waiting until 3 p.m. to eat your first meal or going any extended amount of time without eating or not eating enough food for breakfast or lunch, having the right amount of nutrients or enough calories, you're going to go into a type of survival mode because you're teaching and telling your body you are not going to be getting food or getting enough food for a while, which signals to yourself that there might be a drought or a food shortage. So you best believe that the second you sit down in front of some food, your body's going to force you to eat as much as possible because you told it that. Yeah, you. You told it that it's not going to be getting enough food for a while and your body's only goal is trying to survive. Your body does not care what you look like. She don't care what you act like. She don't care what you eat, what you don't eat. Her only purpose is to keep that heart pumping. And when you're telling her, hey, sis, we aren't going to be eating for a minute, she's going to panic. Because what happens if we stop eating for too long? That heart stops pumping. That's why it feels so out of control when it's happening, because it is literally out of your control. Every hormone and chemical going through your body in that moment is on purpose. Because your body, your beautiful vessel, thinks it's going to have to do this to keep your ass alive. No more good and bad foods. No more good and bad bodies. No more yes or no food. It's all neutral. It's all balanced. It's all consistent. So sign this agreement right now. I swear to do my absolute fucking best to think neutrally about my body and my food, because there are no good or bad bodies, no good or bad foods. Boom, signed. Thank you very much. Your signature is so cute. I'm going to sign it to you now. Love from your hot fitness mommy, Liz King. Done. Now, whenever you start to feel those emotions of stress, guilt, shame, panic, because you feel your body changing in a way that you might not like, remember this agreement. And immediately, go on a walk. Do something else. Clear your head. Get off your phone. Go eat a snack. Go to your nearest coffee shops. Get a Starbucks, baby. Get it. Get out of the house. Keep going. You're going to have to get used to fluctuating on your fitness journey regardless. 
you are going to be gaining and losing weight and getting uncomfortable in all sorts of ways, even when you're 100% at your goal. So you cannot let it phase you because you will always be fluctuating. So this neutrality type of thinking, it's really important for the entire process, even when you're there. But I don't want to backtrack, Liz. I know that. No one wants to feel like they're backtracking because it makes you feel like all the crazy shit that you just put your body through wasn't worth it. Well, hi, nice to meet you. It was never worth it from the start. No matter what the outcome. Am I, am I being too mean? <laughs> I'm not being mean. This is tough, tough love. Food freedom is worth it. The cycle of hell that you've ended up with? No. Sorry, not worth it. It's not ever worth it. I wasted six years of my life to this cycle. So you have to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. We don't worry about food no more. Regardless, if you feel uncomfortable or like you're backtracking, you're staying neutral. You will be able to get to your fitness goals. And you will be able to get there so much easier and actually be able to enjoy your life at the end of this. And if you gain a couple pounds in the process, so be it. You can always lose it again. You can always gain. You can always lose it again. There is no end to this. We're doing this for the rest of our lives. Step three, you're going to meal prep. You're going to meal prep, baby. No excuses. You need to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner planned out and prepared for yourself on a daily basis. Obviously, you can cook your eggs in the morning and stuff like that, but you need to go to the grocery store, pick up the ingredients, and make multiple servings of a lunch and a dinner and have stuff to make for breakfast and snacks as well. I'm not going to get too into how to do it because I already made a whole episode on how to meal prep, which is going to explain it to you very well. So go listen to that if you need a little bit more guidance on how to do that. It's a really fun episode, so go check it out after this one. A huge factor that keeps you in the massive swing of binge restrict cycle is not being prepared to stay balanced throughout the day. Binging will typically happen at night. Why? Because you didn't eat enough during the day, or you wait too long in between meals, or what you are eating during the day is not as substantial as you think. You may be getting full off of it in the moment, but if you're not having the right nutrients, it doesn't matter. You can't be having lunch at 12 and then not eating dinner until 7.30 when you get home from the gym. You need to either have dinner at 5 and then a snack at 8 p.m. after the gym or whenever you get home or vice versa. If you've waited more than four or five hours in between meals, you're asking for trouble, mentally and physically. We want home-cooked foods. And here's the most important part of it. I want you to make sure that you are getting at least or around 20 grams of protein in every single meal, even snacks. This isn't even a fitness thing. This is, this is just like a food thing. 
it is a fitness thing too. It definitely helps, but especially when you're working yourself out of this cycle, we need this nutrient. Protein is the powerhouse macronutrient that helps keep you full and will help you the most with preventing binges. So at least 20 grams per meal. You don't have to count calories or anything to figure that out. Just look up what you're having. Google it. How many grams of protein in it? If you hit 20, great. And then you'll get used to kind of knowing what's in it. You can Google how much it is or just look on the label to see how much protein is in each serving. Okay, we're not caring about how many calories, how much fat is in things. We want the highest protein content in whatever you get. Got it? And this rule applies to anything. If you feel super hungry at night and you're freaking out deciding what to eat, protein, baby. Make protein chocolate oatmeal and add some gooey, delicious chocolate chips to it and boom. This is not about taking away calories. Don't try to cut corners with calories. It's about adding nutrients that are going to help you feel fuller and more satisfied throughout the day. So none of that low fat shit either. Have you ever realized the difference between low fat and full fat yogurt? A low fat yogurt will keep me full for maybe 30 minutes. <laughs> tops, tops an hour. Give it that. A full fat, high protein yogurt. Wow. That, like two to three hours for a tiny little cup of like cream. <laughs> it's amazing. Go with the high fat stuff. Yeah, it's a couple more calories, but you're going to actually feel really good from it. And that's what's going to help you prevent these binges instead of having the low fat yogurt or the the light yogurt and then being hungry in 30 minutes and saying, oh, well, I just ate, so I'm not allowed to eat again and then pushing it off. And like, that's what creates this cycle. So this is not about taking calories away. If you're going to have something, you're going to have it. And you're going to have the right version of it, right? Fourth thing, you're going to focus on how you feel and only how you feel surrounding the food that you eat physically. Let me explain. Let's say you have a binge episode. It's going to happen. Your last one is, was not your last one. It's going to happen again. This all takes practice. You have to be aware of this. You're going to fuck this up a couple times. It's okay. Move on try again the next day. It doesn't mean your day is ruined. None of that. There's no guilt or shame around it. If it happens, it happens. Be prepared the next day. Move on. Try again. It's all we can do. If you have a binge episode and all of a sudden those feelings start popping up, oh my god, I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to gain so much weight. I'm going to go backwards. Those feelings are not feelings. One thing I learned from therapy, if it starts with a what if, it's an intrusive thought. All of those are what ifs. What if I gain weight? What if I backtrack, right? Nothing's happened yet. You don't know if you're going to gain weight. You don't know if you're backtracking. Nothing has happened because of that binge. So we aren't going to recognize those what ifs. And we're not going to recognize any shame. I shouldn't have done that. I feel bad about doing that. Any emotional th thing that can come up, none of that. You ate some food. No one died. 
you're probably sitting in your apartment or watching TV or reading a book. Okay, you're safe. You're fine. Do you need to be guilty and shameful about that? No, no, no. Not anymore. We don't. Everything is fine. Those what ifs, throw them out. But what I do want you to focus on is how you physically feel and determine what to do and what you do and don't like about those feelings. For example, I ate an entire tray of brownies. Do I feel good? Do I feel focused? Do I feel satisfied? Do I feel energized? Or do I feel bloated? Do I feel tired? Do I feel sluggish? Do I feel overwhelmed? Do I feel uncomfortably full? It's probably the second one. The more you prioritize food based off of how it makes you physically feel, the more aware of those feelings you become and you will have a much easier time in not making that kind of decision in that kind of stressful situation again in the future. You'll make it a couple more times, but we're, we're trying to dwindle it down here. By allowing yourself to have the brownies, but realizing that maybe eating more than two is not going to make you feel so great, it really helps with staying intuitive to what foods are actually serving you positively. You know all those videos we see on social media where it's like, if this person isn't serving you positively, if this action isn't serving you positively, cut them out. Why do we, why do we feel differently about food? This, these brownies are, are great. They're very enjoyable. Yes, we should be able to enjoy them. But after the second or third one, is this something that serves us positively anymore? Right? No, it's not. It's going to make you kind of feel like shit. Now, relating back to what I was saying before, you probably ate, or I, sorry, the example is me. What I was saying before, I or you probably ate the whole tray because to me, it was a high ticket item. And I might be thinking that I'm never going to eat that again because that's a bad food. I shouldn't have had that. But in reality, I can eat brownies every day. In fact, that's a tactic that helped me get over certain fear foods. Cookies was a big one for me. I thought that cookies would make me gain tons of weight and lose all my progress and backtrack. And while I was working myself out of my binge cycle, I found myself getting extremely stressed around cookies because I would binge them like crazy besties. I'll tell you what I did. I made myself eat cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Nothing else. This is a really odd tactic. So don't cancel me for it. This is what I did for myself. And I just want you to think about it. You do not, I'm not advising anybody do this, but I think the example of it is actually very powerful in itself. It worked extremely well for me because by having cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, halfway through the second day, only the second day, I felt so fucking sick. I was, I was good on that. I was good on cookies. I was over it. I was so sick of them that I was like, please, please give me a normal meal. I am craving chicken, broccoli, rice, any, the most basic thing I could possibly have. Give me a smoothie. Give me something. Give me something that is going to make me feel good 
right now because I do not feel good right now. My body does not feel good right now. By allowing myself to have that high ticket item as if it were a normal, acceptable food and have it as frequently as a normal food, I was able to overlook the value of it in my head and focus on how it actually made me feel. And it made me feel like shit. The reason we don't eat things like that so often is because it makes us not feel good. It's not substantial. It's not because it's going to make our body this way or that way. Like realistically, you're not going to want it all the time because you're not going to feel good. And I'd had to do the same thing with pizza. Pizza was another binge choice for a while. I ordered two large pizzas. (laughs) I ate it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for three days. That one took a little longer because it's a little more substantial than cookies. But let me tell you, after those days, I would kill someone to eat a vegetable at that point. I couldn't stay focused. I felt hungry. I felt bloated all the time. My poops were weird. But I ate it until it clicked in my brain. Yes, this is delicious, but we really don't need this all the time. This is not what's going to help you stay productive and going to make you feel good on a daily basis. Are we allowed to eat it on a daily basis if we want? Fuck yeah. We're adults. We can do, we can do whatever we want, babes. But is that really the best option for us? No, it's not. And that goes far outside of what your body looks like. And to this day, I'm good with one or two cookies whenever they're around to maybe three slices of pizza and both of them still make me feel like shit because I'm so accustomed to eating and prioritizing other very nutritious foods and feeling really good all the time so when you do have things like that in moderation you can enjoy it and just move on but you're prioritizing the feelings of being more full and satisfied and having those nutrients in your body to help you with day to day. Okay. Those are like, other things are like cheap thrills. Like, have you ever been to Vegas? (sighs) I've never been to Vegas, but if you've been to Vegas or say you've been to some sort of party city or you've been on this weekend kind of bender, you want to do that every day? (laughs) No. To us, it seems like something we want to do, but is that a sustainable lifestyle? <laughs> no. Go go to Vegas. Go to Vegas for a week straight. Tell me how you feel when you come back. You're going to take up knitting. You're just going to start reading books. You're going to cut off all of your friends. Uh, you're going to do everything that a 90-year-old woman would do because... You're going to be so over it. It's all about the contrast and how we present these things to ourselves in our brain. Now, again, you don't have to use that tactic. I don't recommend it to anyone. I'm not a doctor, especially if you are, if you do really struggle with binge eating. This is, again, I'm really focusing on the binge restrict cycle that comes from severe dieting. If you have something deeper than this, These things might not work for you and that's okay. It still is a big part of it. 
But again, please seek other professional help. We need therapy. We need other things. So we focus on how food serves us and makes us feel without those added emotions and those addictions around how we feel about our body. We are now focusing only on how food serves us and makes us feel without the emotions. Okay? We have those four steps. That's all I'm going to leave you with. (laughs) I could probably keep going, but I'm going to leave you with those things to start. Those, to me, are very crucial steps in working your way out of this when it comes to this cycle and at least some steps in the right direction again please if you have a severe disorder do not be afraid to ask for help please seek a therapist do whatever you can because it's a long and hard journey and there might be a lot of underlying shit in there that you have to address like I said a lot of eating disorders a lot of binge eating disorders come from trauma and that's that's a very real thing. Okay? So, please be aware of that. Please understand it might go much deeper than this podcast. Um I I did release another episode about fitness and trauma. Uh you can have a listen to that just to help you maybe understand a little bit more about yourself. If any of this applies to you and you feel like it helps you, take it. If it doesn't, leave it. I love you all so much. I want to especially thank those of you who have DM'd me about the podcast because I know that you notice when I don't post for a while. And usually it means I'm either traveling or I am struggling mentally. If I'm traveling, it's I'm in a long distance relationship. Okay, it's like I'm just trying to see my mans. But Otherwise, it's because I'm struggling mentally. And I know some of you left some really kind words of encouragement just saying how much you love the podcast and how much it helps you and that you hope that I'm okay. And this might sound really stupid, but it helps. It really helps me a lot because things can get very hard for me creating all of this stuff all the time videos, podcasts, pumping out all this information on top of taking care of an entire team of clients and training and helping them. And social media has this really wonderful way of making you and me feel like it's never good enough. So it actually does mean so much to me when you guys reach out to me because it reminds me that this is worth it. And I am helping people and I'm able to make a difference. And I have the most amazing followers, besties, team of you guys that actually care. Like a lot. My job is not easy. And I love you guys no matter what. I am here for you no matter what. And I appreciate you all for being here for me and sticking with me through all of this. Our only goal is to get better, not to be perfect, not to be totally happy all the time, as long as we're getting better. I hope these steps really help you in some way or at least open up 
your eyes to something you may have been struggling with, which maybe you didn't even realize. And it's not going to be perfect, but we can definitely get better. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. I cannot wait to talk to you again. Bye, babies. Bye.